Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. Fusion! In 2021. What's up? Y'all ready for the year? Okay. Why are you ready for the year? You feel like it's going to be a good year? Okay. Y'all just trying to get out of 2020 or are you excited about 2021? Okay. Okay. I know there's been a lot of, I know a lot of stuff happened in 2020, man. I know that it was difficult. Uh, It was difficult in a lot of ways for a lot of us, but I don't always view difficult as bad. I know I might be the odd man out here. But, uh, man, I know we've been just saying, oh, man, it's just been so terrible. But, uh, and I know that there's been real stuff. uh, And we've gone through some real stuff. 2020, I think, was one of the most challenging years I've ever experienced. Uh, But in a different way. Because a lot of us have gone through a lot of things in life, right? Would you say so? Have you been through some things in life? Have you been through some things maybe before 2020 that was potentially worse than some of the things you experienced in 2020? Okay. And so personally, uh, even though it was difficult, uh, we lost a couple people uh, in our circle, friends, family, all those things. Uh, Everything changed with work, with, man, all this stuff. I mean, quarantine. You know, I don't know about you guys, but did anybody have to adjust to being in the same house with whoever you live with for way more time than you normally do? Somebody had to, right? Y'all quiet tonight. Maybe you're sitting next to them. That's cool. I get it. Online, you're probably sitting with them right now. But uh, yeah, man, there was, there was a lot of challenges, but we are in a new year now. And I really do believe that there are some things that God was showing us as his children in 2020 that have prepared us for this next year. Because I don't know if you guys have realized this. Is there anybody in here who has realized that 2020 did not shake up God? Do you believe that? Because I'm told that he has a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so no matter what circumstances happen, there's nothing that throws him off, that gets him off guard. Like, oh, I did not expect it to go like that. What do we do, angels? <laughs> he's, he's not scurrying around and all this stuff. And I think just in our minds, you know, sometimes we can view God through the lens of ourselves. And it's comforting to me. No matter what I'm going through, no matter what challenges I'm facing, to know that the God who I'm depending on is not shaken in the same ways that I'm shaken, is not thrown off in the same ways that I'm thrown off. And I believe that learning a new level of dependency on God sometimes happens through challenging circumstances and is a good thing. Has anybody, have you ever like been more dependent on God and desperate for God when everything's going perfect? Not so much, right? But when we face challenges, when we're shown our frailty, when we're shown the unknown, I think 
sometimes it's a gift to us to see how out of control things can get and how not in control we are. Because it, it makes God's sovereignty and his control and his power that much more valuable. And it's this God who's offered us relationship with him. I don't know if you guys appreciate that, but I've come to. And I know we're coming to a, an, an interesting day tomorrow uh, with the inauguration of a new president. And everybody's like, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to say anything. Um, because there's a lot of different feelings. Uh, but more than feelings, I'm not really so much concerned about the feelings. There's a lot of different expectations of what the future is going to hold. And what the destiny of our nation is. Has anybody become acquainted with a question of the destiny of our nation in 2020 with everything going on. Has anybody been like, how is this going to turn out? Anybody? Well, I believe that God wants to speak to us a little bit about destiny tonight. And we've been actually in a series as a church called emancipating greatness. It just started, man. If you weren't here for these past two weekends, go online, catch up with what uh, Pastor Johnson has been sharing in this series because it's a word that God has given him for just the church as a whole. And it's about uh, anybody who is not familiar with it, you're like, that's a weird combination of words, emancipating greatness. Uh, But God is talking about freeing the greatness that's inside of us. But what we found this weekend is that in order to do that, he has to redefine greatness in some of our eyes. And it's all about this idea of destiny, man. Why are we here? Where are we going? What does the future hold? And yes, it's 2021. And there may be some questions about destiny, but I believe that the fact that it's 2021, some of us forget about an inauguration that that represents, which is it's 2021 years since the inauguration of a new policy, a new system a new person in leadership. Is anybody following? Because inauguration means the beginning or introduction of a system, a policy, or a period. And 2,021 years ago, Jesus Christ was born. That's why we call it 2021, 2021, because we count from the time he touched on earth. And so if any of you guys have maybe been wondering, man, is the world still... Revolving around Jesus, yes, it is. The fact that we're calling it 2021 shows us that the world is still revolving around Jesus. And I believe that he may want to shift some of our perspectives tonight or affirm some of our perspectives tonight uh, about the destiny of not only this nation, but you personally. Have you had any questions about your own destiny in life? Anybody? I believe that God wants to speak some things and um, because here's why I'm sharing this. I believe that a lot of us have been trying to navigate this calling from God. That's a heavenly calling. And we get confused. We get thrown off. 
We get off guard because we're trying to navigate a heavenly calling with an earthly perspective. And I want you to think about that for a second. The way that you're looking at life, the way that you're looking at events transpiring, the way that you think about destiny and the future and what's coming, what you desire to come, what's forming that? What's guiding that? Who defines that? Is it all by chance? Or do you believe that God is actually in control? And if you do believe that, and if you call yourself a follower of Christ, do you know what God has in store for you? Because I think that too many of us are walking around just ignorant of what God even has in store for us. Because we've heard enough things, especially in our culture that's heavily churched. Some of you guys didn't grow up in church at all. And so you've come in with some fresh perspective and and got to know Jesus in a more fresh way. But some of us have heard lines and people's ideas our whole lives that have shaped our idea of what God is doing, who he is, what our destiny is, what he has for us, what he's promised, what he hasn't. And some of it is wrong. And some of it is shallow. I do believe that a lot of us as believers are walking around with a very shallow understanding of who God is, of what his desires are, of what his ultimate plan is. And so it's reflecting in how we're living our daily lives because we're called to live our times here as foreigners. That's what the Bible tells us. But where are we from? What's happening there? Where are we going? These are important questions. And so I want us to uh, dive into this tonight. The, the title of tonight's message is Destiny Defined. And I just want to start by praying for us. Father, I thank you so much for uh, just this time together, Lord, that we're getting to start the year off strong. Lord, I know that there's a lot going on in a lot of our minds. And I just, I've been just sensing all night just distractions. Some of us are finding it so hard to just be here. Some of us are finding it hard to listen, to focus. Some of us hear words and it triggers other thoughts, ideas. It triggers other ideas. And Father, I just pray for you to help us to open our hearts, to open our ears to what you're wanting to say tonight, to what you're wanting to do tonight, not just in a a passive way, but with an understanding that you sit enthroned above everything and everyone, that you're in control, that you breathed life into us. You created the heavens and the earth. You created the stars and all the galaxies, Lord. Help us to see how big you are tonight, Lord. Help us to be reminded of who you are, Lord, that you are not down in the box of our understanding. You're not in the box of our temporary circumstances, God. You are here with us in our temporary circumstances, but you are not boxed into them. And you have a plan for our good that transcends our understanding, that transcends our circumstances. And you are with us now, but you are taking us somewhere. And so, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to where you're taking us just in a supernatural way, because some of us, it's difficult for us to listen to you because you are a spirit. 
Lord, you are spirit. And you said those who worship you must worship you in spirit and in truth. And in order to hear you, we have to hear you in our spirit. And some of us are struggling to tap in there because we're distracted by what our mind is saying, what life is saying, what everyone else is saying. But I pray that tonight, Lord, that you would help us to hear you in a fresh way, that you would help us to hear you with the ears of our spirit, what's inside of us that gives us consciousness, Lord, what's going to outlive this body, Lord. And I pray that you would start giving us a perspective that we are going to outlive this body because that's your word and we are made in your image and you are eternal. And so God, I just pray for you to have your way tonight for everything to point to you, Lord, for you to minister to your people, for you to help me just decrease, for you to increase and for you to speak to us in the way that you're wanting to tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So I actually want to hear, uh, is anybody bold enough to say what they feel like their destiny is? Anybody? Okay, what's up? To help young men to show them they can be vulnerable and worship the Lord fearlessly. Let's go. Anybody else? Because y'all acting shy tonight. Quiet tonight. There we go. What's up? What's your destiny? Let's go, Jordan. To glorify God in everything that you do, to be a voice for the voiceless, and be a vessel all to the glory of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's go. Anybody else? I got room for one more. What's up? Another Jordan. It's so to show young girls and to show people that it's okay to not be ashamed in God's presence. Let's go. Now, undoubtedly, some of y'all are like, that's cool, but none of that is your boy. <laughs> or some of you guys are like, I've never really thought about it. Or I don't know. I know a lot of you guys are like, ah, I'm still trying to figure that out right now. I don't, I don't feel like I could just step up and just say that. Does anybody feel like they're still trying to figure out what their destiny is? That's okay. That's okay. I want to share with you some things that may help you in that. In Ephesians, if you have your Bibles or your phones or your tablets, any way to access the Word of God, If you'll turn to Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to read a good amount of Ephesians tonight because it's a beautiful letter to the church. And I think that it's going to help us maybe get some eternal perspective because some of us feel like 
in church, we over-spiritualize things. But I think that in 90% of life, most of us under-spiritualize things. And we're not thinking about the spiritual aspects of life, even though God tells us that we are a spirit. And that our spirit is going to outlive our body. And yet we can spend all of our lives only catering to what we know is not going to last. Think about it. And so I think that it's important when we are gathered together to worship God and to hear from him, to think from his perspective, because God thinks eternally. So every move that God makes, every decision that he makes is an eternal move and an eternal decision. And that's why he says that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God calls himself the rock of ages. Ages. Do you know what we are in right now? We are in an age. That means God was around before this age will be around way long after this age. Jesus says that he's with us until the end of the age. So that means this is temporary. That means this had a starting point. This has an ending point, our time here on earth. And before this starting point, God was here. Did you ever think about that? Like it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, not in the beginning of his existence, in the beginning of this age. He's way beyond this. And he's been thinking about what's going to take place throughout all the ages, way before the ages have come. How do we know that? Because he already tells us what's going to happen in coming ages. And so the plan for your life, who you are, what God is doing through you is much bigger than just the next 30 years. The next 50 years, the next year, it's so much bigger What happens in our nation is so much bigger than God's plan is so much bigger than that. And every decision that he makes, every person that he places, every person he removes is part of an eternal plan. And I believe that it's only, only, somebody say only. Only. Say only again. Somebody said only again. I was just saying to say only again but I appreciate y'all following. (laughs) Only by God's power, by his divine intervention, can we even be aligned with an eternal perspective because all we know is what we know. But that's why it's so important that we have the word of God. And so we're, we're reading in Ephesians and in verse three, chapter one, verse three, says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, somebody say blessed us, in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Say every spiritual blessing. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, say love. That's what drives this whole thing. God is love. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself 
as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved, which is referring to Jesus. So what God has been showing me lately that I really wasn't dwelling on as much before is this idea that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So for you, if you are found in God, meaning you have expressed faith in Christ, you have received him as your Lord, as your Savior, which just means you've given him control of your life. Kind of what uh, Carl was talking about, you've just offered yourself to him as a sacrifice. That's what we're here to do. You've offered yourself to him. He has reign over your life. You're in a relationship with him. You've been acquainted with his love. That means that you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And for me, I used to come across this scripture and feel like, cool, so when I die and get to heaven, I'll have a bunch of blessings in the heavenly places when I'm there. But what's happening here is heaven and earth are coexisting together. So heaven is not waiting for things to happen. It's done. It's done. Somebody say it's done. That's why it says, it doesn't say you will be blessed with every spiritual blessing, but you have been blessed. Praise be to God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You have been blessed with every, every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so as we're talking about destiny, I'm wondering how much that's tied to our idea of destiny when we're thinking about where we're going and what's important in life and what we're going to do with our lives. Do we understand that God's desire for our lives has already been fulfilled and is currently fleshing itself out in this reality But in the heavenly places, in the spiritual realm, we've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing, meaning you don't have to wait to have access to what God has for you. But it's available to you now. Now, somebody gets it. But I know it's going to take a while to sink in because this is something that it really goes against how we think most of the time. A lot of us are thinking, man, I want to. Okay, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to like do the right thing as like kind of and, you know, I'm going to get to heaven because I don't want to go to hell. And so I'm going to be in heaven at some point. And for now, I'm just going to like do my best. But God's plan for us is so much bigger, so much bigger And it's a heavenly plan. It's an eternal plan. It's something that he's already done and accomplished. There are things that God has for you already that are yours that most of us are not accessing. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Some of y'all are like, I don't know what they are. That's the problem. Most of us don't know. So most of us live our lives waiting on the blessing. God, when am I going to get my blessing? You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. 
You skip down a few verses to verse 18 and, and Paul prays for the church. Not that they would be blessed, but that they would know what they have, that they would know their destiny, that they would understand what God is doing. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know. Say no, because it's not about just what you have. It's about what you know you have. How can you use what you have if you don't know you have it? So Paul is praying because he's like, there's so many people who God has blessed and has good things for but that they just don't even know. And some of you even now are like, yeah, I don't know if God has really blessed me. And this is why Paul is praying that there would be a spiritual revelation that happens to you that goes past how you're reasoning with your brain and that something wakes up on the inside of you so that you would know and be able to have an expectation that aligns with what he actually has for you. And so he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance. Imagine having lavished somebody with gifts and they just have no idea. Imagine like if somebody, uh, you had just like filled up a room with a bunch of gifts for somebody. I mean, just went all out, gave everything that you had for somebody special, right? And they just never went in the room. Have no ideas there. Spend most of their time complaining that you don't do anything for them. Knocking on somebody's door. (laughs) But think about it. Think about if you spent your last on somebody. And they just were oblivious to the fact that you had done anything for them. And yet what you got for them was like amazing. And if they only knew, if they could only understand, if they would just go in the room, but you can't get them to go in there. And I believe that that's how God is feeling about much of his church. We just won't open the door. God is like, I have everything for you. I've blessed you. This is in his word. I've blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And most of us are like, cool. So I need this I need this. I need this. God, when are you going to do this? When are you going to do this? Why haven't you done this? That's how most of us are living. And so Paul is praying, man, I just I want you guys to know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Does anybody feel like most of the time, right? You can be honest here because I I don't believe most of us do. I'm going to give you a hint. Does anybody feel like they walk around with a glorious inheritance? Like, I am just an heir of the glorious kingdom. I have everything. I'm rich, abundant. Most of us don't feel that way. Because our thinking is shaped by what we see in this world and what everyone around us calls rich and glorious and an inheritance. And yet Jesus was able to walk around with the perspective of like, nah, I've, I've seen glorious. This is not it. Think about it. We take stuff out the ground and put high price tags on it. 
We have whole operations mining gold that's made in dirt. And when we put it on, ooh, we feel like we're doing something. <laughs> the clothes you have on. It's made from stuff that grows out the ground, cotton. Or some of y'all are super fancy and y'all have on the skin of an animal. Think, ab- think about this. I just, I'll, I want this to resonate, right? Like we'll be scrolling on IG and see somebody in what seems to be an appealing skin of a dead animal or combination of cotton that grew out of the ground and let envy stir in our heart, bitterness about what we don't have, and be mad at God. God, you still haven't got me a job. And look at them over there wearing all this nice cotton. And so I'd imagine that God is like, I just want y'all to know. Like, I just want you to get it. I want you to get it. Like, when I say there's a glorious inheritance available for you, Paul is praying, God, just enlighten enlighten your people's eyes so that they can start seeing that what you have for us that's eternal is better than these temporary things. The riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. How many of you guys feel like you walked in immense power in 2020? But God is saying that he just wants you to open the door and come in and access what he has for you. But first you have to know that it's available for you. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Anybody know that it took supernatural power to raise somebody from the dead? You know what it also took power to do? When he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, anybody you could vote for or not vote for, every demon that would try to come against you, far above Every rule, every authority, every power, every dominion, and every name that is invoked, that means it doesn't matter what names you've heard, there is only one that's seated on the throne. There is really a Jesus Christ who was really raised from the dead, who was really seated in the heavenly realms. I want us to do something real quick. Close your eyes real quick. I'm not going to do anything weird. (laughs) This is just really, really quick. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath in. Breathe out. Open your eyes. What is that? Where does that come from? Air. Like, what is that? But we can walk around thinking, oh, there's no God. What is happening? 
You're breathing. And so when he says he seated him in the heavenly realms, it's real. Jesus compares spiritual activity to the wind when he's explaining being born again to Nicodemus. He's like, it's like the wind. You heard it. If it's blowing hard enough, you can see its effect on things. You can feel it. But did you see that? No. In the same way, Christ is seated at the right hand of the throne of God in heavenly places. And you can feel his effect. You can hear his voice, even though temporarily you can't see him. But there's pictures all throughout earth of who he is. He's put his image on you, in you. Every, everybody's voice is different. Have you ever thought about that? You look different. You got DNA that's different from every other person. A fingerprint that's different from every other person. I mean, there's just nonstop gifts that God has given us to just point us to him. And yet some of us can hear some of these things and be like, oh, man, I don't know about the heavenly places. Really? Fingerprint? You think that just happened? What's the point of it? I can't think of a reason except for God just wanting us to know that he, he really is for real when he says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And that he really does care for us and love us. And that he really does have a plan for us. How could he not have a plan for you when he gave you your own fingerprint? Think about it. You think he did it for no reason? We could have hands with no fingerprints and be just fine. It would be a little tougher to identify criminals. But other than that, I mean, touch ID, now we switch to face ID. I just can't think of a reason for it. Why would God go through all that trouble? I mean, think of all the people who have been created since Adam. Everybody has a different fingerprint. The intentionality. Everybody has different DNA. Why? Because there really are heavenly places. And we really do have a God whose thoughts are high above our thoughts and his ways are high above our ways. He does stuff we wouldn't do, like fingerprints. (laughs) So he placed Christ far above all these things, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And most of us are not going through our lives necessarily thinking about how amazing this is. And again, too many of us are trying to navigate a heavenly calling with an earthly perspective. What God has called you to is a knowledge of the hope that he's called you to the knowledge of the glorious riches of his inheritance, the immeasurable and incomparable power that's available to you, the same power that he exercised when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him in heavenly places. Why does he want you to know that? He wants you to know that so that you'll believe that he's for real when he says that he's going to do the same for you. In the next chapter, in chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, it says, As for you... 
You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Some of us think that things are just crazy just because they are. No, there's really a heavenly realm. There's really a spiritual realm. There are really demonic powers trying to influence us, trying to tempt us, trying to separate us from the knowledge of who God is, not wanting us to have access to what they're forever set up, separated from. And when we are following in the ways of the world around us that doesn't acknowledge God, that doesn't follow God, when we walk in their ways, we're dead, unresponsive to the life of God, to the voice of God. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. I definitely have. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, say love. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up. Wait, wait, wait. So he, he wants us to know the power that he exercised to raise Christ from the dead and seat him in heavenly places. Why? Because God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. So what he's saying right here that blew my mind. There's a lot happening right here. The one thing that blew my mind that I haven't been able to let go of is is he said that he did all this in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness. So you're telling me that God set all this in motion, sent his son to pay the penalty for our sins Not just because we were bad people and we needed a savior and now it's fixed and we can go about life. No. He did all this so that in the coming ages, he can really show us how kind he is. He's saying that he can't even show his grace right now. Like this is just a glimpse, just a picture. The fact that you've been saved You've been saved by grace, but it's just a picture. He can't even show really how rich he is in grace and kindness until the coming ages come when he restores all things, renews all things. When he wipes away every tear. When he removes all pain, all death, all darkness, all sickness, all disease. All these things that take place that can separate us from him. And make us, man, God, why are you allowing this to happen? Why is this taking place? If you're good, how could this be happening? Meanwhile, he's saying, well, in this current age, this is the result of sin, of separation, of free will, of all these things. But there's a time coming. He set everything in motion and come and intervened on our behalf to save us. So that when all this is said and done, he can really show us how much he loves us. 
Now, some of you, I know, are like, that sounds good. But what about right now? And that is why I've been in prayer. And I encourage you guys to be in prayer for yourselves, because this is really the biggest battle that we face is are we going to be driven by eternity or are we going to be driven by the temporary? And, and God actually says that the only way that we can even start thinking this way and really be driven by eternity is a miracle has to take place. And so I'll share where, where it starts and then where it's going. And we'll, we'll continue into this over the next few weeks. But I want to start down the what we should do in light of all this information. What do we do with all this information? How does this work? How can I actually start living this way? How do I, how do I get over these, these, uh, the hesitation, the resistance, you know, the, the difficulties and the conflict that I have with God? Well, it says in Romans 12, 1 through 2, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Why? Because of what he wants to take place next. When you offer yourself, you have the opportunity to do this, to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so one of the biggest challenges that we have to accepting what God is saying about eternity, about where he's taking us, is our idea of good, our idea of what's acceptable, our idea of what's perfect. God, that's not good. Good would be if you did things differently right now. Perfect would be if you just changed everything, if you didn't allow this thing to happen to me. But God is saying that, If you offer yourself to him, he will give you the gift of a transformation by the renewing of your mind in the way that you think so that you will then be able to determine what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I know that's hard for a lot of us to receive. Uh, It's very difficult for some of us to receive, but I think that it's important, man. We're starting the year off and if we're going if we're going to be here. I think we need to really be here. If we're going to, I don't think there's much space for the one foot in, one foot out. The God, I'm going to show up, but I'm going to only go so far. Because if he's for real about this and we really have to give an account to him and he's really serious about how good he is. And we spend our whole lives questioning how good he is and letting that limit how we interact with him. Then in the coming ages... How are we going to look? Where are we going to be? And so I think it's important for us to wrestle with this now. And so the, uh, what I want to touch on, and we'll dive into it more next week, but we start by offering ourselves and making ourselves available to God, right? So it says offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And to not be conformed. And real quick, the, uh, there's always a forming taking place in our lives. Whether you realize it or not, 
a lot of the things you're taking in, they're forming your opinion, they're forming your perspective, they're forming how you view things, how you operate, how you behave, how you engage with the world around you, how you engage with God. And there's two types of forming that God talks about here. And he says, one is not good for you. One is good for you. Uh, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. And what that's talking about, it's uh, conforming is like, has anybody ever used or seen a cookie cutter? You familiar with what a cookie cutter is? You take batter, you put this stencil thing on it, and it cuts out all the stuff around it and molds it into an image. And conforming is very much like that. It's the result of external pressures. And as you're walking in the ways of this world, just going about life, inevitably, you become conformed to the pattern of the world. So your life looks like their life looks. You become the cookie cutter of what the rest of the world looks like. And so your views on very important things, sex, money, Power and influence are all formed by opinions and things around you and external pressures. Has anybody felt a pressure in the last year that there's some resistance and there's some pressure to think a certain way, to act a certain way, to be a certain way? Silence is violence. Can we talk about it? There's a pressure that's taking place. Regardless of how good motives may be or not be, we know that throughout life there's pressure. And so what happens? The most people, you can view it, you can look at it on social media. Man, let something take place. And most people start following a certain pattern. They'll start talking a certain way, aligning themselves in a certain way. With their own convictions, maybe, but more in alignment with the pressure That's around them and start conforming and molding themselves to what's being said around them and what's being told. This is how you have to think. This is how you have to be. Some of us are partaking in that pressure. This is how you have to think. Some of it takes place in the church as a Christian. This is how you have to think. This is how you have to be. This is how you have to operate. And notice God doesn't say don't be conformed to the world, but be conformed to Christ. No, you can't conform to Christ. You can't just change your, your, your behaviors and your approach to life and fix things up on the outside. Because a cookie cutter really only changes the outside. Nothing on the inside has changed. Still the same batter. And so God is saying, in order to see things from my perspective, in order to know the hope to which I've called you, the riches of my glorious inheritance, the power that's available to you, That's been exercised in raising Christ from the dead and seating him in heavenly places. In order for that to happen, there's a different process that has to take place. That's called transformation. And so conforming happens as a result of external pressures. Transformation is an internal process. Things change from the inside out. You might look the same, but you're not the same. It comes out in how you talk and how you engage with people and how you worship God. And you could try to say the right things and you could try to do the right things. But if change hasn't taken place, it's evident. And some of us have grown up in a world that's just talking about conforming. 
Some of us have tried to conform to Christianity and we're struggling. How do I live different? How do I be different? How do I be free? How do I be pure? All these things. And then what happens is we get frustrated and then we're like, this isn't real. But if we go to the first step, which is offer yourself, your whole self. It says offer your body as a living sacrifice. Everything you have, offering it to God. Then you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you're able to determine what his will is for your life. What's good, what's not good. But anybody who hasn't been through that process, they have a perspective on what's good and what's not good, but it's just not in alignment with God. And so they'll feel convicted about it. Oh, this is definitely good or this is definitely not good in your eyes and from your perspective that's been conformed to the pattern of the world. But there are some of us who know that as you walk with God, he just changes the way that you view things. I'm a very different person than I was. I was actually looking in uh, some of like my, my, my notes from years ago, like seven years ago, when I first really got serious about God, found victory. Uh, and I was just a very different person. I viewed things very differently. And I was, just, I was just reflecting on the process that God brought me through and is still bringing me through because he's still renewing my mind on a lot of different things and, and giving me a different perspective. Even this right here, I'm like, I haven't really been thinking about the fact that I'm seated with you in heavenly places and I have every spiritual blessing available to me in heavenly places and that, that'll affect the way that you pray. It'll affect the way that you engage with God. And I think that it'll specifically affect these three areas of your life. Money, sex, power, and influence. Already mentioned them, but I want us to know that those are, those are the areas that we typically struggle the most. And that's, that's typically the breaking point between like being a Christian and not being a Christian. Because the, the way of Christ in these areas is so contrary to what's natural to us that we're like, oh, I liked all the blessing stuff. I liked, you know, the feel good things. But you mean I got to like go a totally different way and view this different. And I don't even agree. And a lot of people just don't sign up for the process of God actually renewing your mind. It doesn't take place uh, just through conversations with people. It doesn't pl take place just from listening to sermons and messages and all those things. Uh, even though they may be straight revelation from God, there's something that has to take place within you as you respond to God. Because all those things can be coming at you, but landing on hard soil and never penetrates and never changes anything. And that's why Jesus describes his word as a seed. And the seed never changes, but the soil does. So he throws the same seed at all of us, but the soil that it lands in and grows from is different from person to person. For some of us, it lands and we allow it to grow and transform us and change us. And that's what transformation is about. Transformation, is, it takes place at a root level. I mean, a, a cookie cutter changes something from like a star to a gingerbread man, but it's all the same, tastes the same, smells the same, really looks the same except for the, the shape of the outside. 
But what a seed, I mean, a seed change root level, that's the difference between an apple tree, an orange tree, a fig tree. That's very different. Has anybody found that different fruit tastes different, smells different? All those things. So God wants a transformation to take place on the inside of us. And these are specific areas, and we're going to continue to dive into them. Uh, But first and foremost, I actually want us to, some of us, because I know we're not all going to do it, and that's okay. But I want some of us who are like, you know what? I want to take this journey. I want us to, to make a commitment and to challenge ourselves for 2021. Because if God really has all these things in store for us, and he's really just preparing us for those things, I believe that the more we spend time with him, uh, the more that we allow him to transform the way that we think, the more we'll look forward to everything that God has for us. The more we'll actually have hope the more we'll understand love, the more we'll understand grace, a lot of the, um, the more we'll have peace. A lot of the things that we're struggling with, a lot of us are dealing with a lack of hope, a lack of peace, all these things. And we're looking for it in maybe, you know, a moment or a message or a circumstance, but it doesn't take place there. It takes place at a root level. And when the root changes, the fruit changes. And so I believe, man, if we will challenge ourselves in some of these areas that I'm about to talk about to start allowing a transformation process to take place on the inside, I believe that we'll see some different fruit over the year. And the end of 2021 won't look the same as the beginning of 2021. And you'll continue to grow and to develop. You know, there are trees that have been growing for like hundreds and hundreds of years. Like they didn't look the same 100 years ago. They didn't look the same five years ago. But some of us look the same as five years ago, seven years ago. And it's because this transformation process, this seed uh, hasn't really taken root. But I believe that God wants to change some of us. And so our, my 20, 20, 2021 challenge to myself and to all of us is this. One, make a commitment to read the Bible and pray more this year than any other year of your life. Because some of y'all just heard that scripture in Ephesians for the first time. And you're like, and you've been caught up in all the other information that's taking place. And you've had nothing to really compare it to or align it with to figure out God's perspective on it. So a lot of us are trying to figure out, man, what's God's view on X, Y, Z? And we're doing it based on our own reasoning instead of his actual word. And I believe that God will start transforming the way you see things the more that you're acquainted with what he has to say and his word is alive. His word will change, will change you and transform you. Number two, commit to your community of believers by wholeheartedly participating in a small group. Some of you guys are like, all right, here we go with the small groups thing again. Look, if we're really going to be changed and transformed. It has to take place in the way that God actually prescribes for it to take place. And it can't take place just on an individual level. And so for some of you guys, legitimately, maybe it's just gathering with some people who are also believers. Maybe it's not even a small group on the website. 
It's not really the, the big deal here. But some of us are living in such isolation and we're letting discomfort keep us from stepping into what God is really wanting to do in our lives. And I would challenge you to step into community with people. And yes, it's uncomfortable, but in order to actually be who God is calling us to be, we have to do it his way. And we're going to be in heaven together. Y'all just want to get to know each other there? God's heart is community. And so I believe if you really want to see change, if you really want to see transformation, if you want to see different fruit in your life, I believe it starts here. Or you can stay in the same cycle. The last is to make a commitment to be consistent. In both of these areas, I I spoke with our uh, fusion leaders about this a few weeks ago, Uh, just our commitment and just for this year, consistency in three areas, in in our communion with God, our community with each other, and in our commitment to those things and being consistent and watching what God does in our church, watching what God does in our lives. Some of y'all need to sign up to serve so you can hear some of those messages. Amen. All right. So I want to close here. Um, I want us to go just into a time of reflection. And so the the worship team is going to come out. And I know you guys have been sitting down for a while, so you can stand up. I know this has been like really existential and serious. And you're like, what is my life? Fingerprints, all this stuff. You got a lot of food for thought, things to think about. But My prayer is really that God would give us an eternal perspective because this is going to affect every area of our lives. And some of us came in here, man, just worried about things that are going on, worried about people around us, disappointed about things. And I really do believe that what God has for us starts in this place where we offer ourselves to God, where we give him an opportunity to speak to us, where we give him an opportunity to show us who he really is. And to be reminded on a deep level of the spiritual blessings that he has for us, the eternal life that he has for us. And so I want to read this last scripture. It's in 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5. And I want us to leave here thinking about this. And I want us to worship with this in mind. Because he talks about offering ourselves as a living sacrifice, offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. But check out what he says here in 2 Corinthians 5. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven. This earthly body is a tent, but what he has waiting for us is eternal. It's a house, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. We're disappointed. Difficult things happen. We feel pain. We feel anguish. We groan, we sigh. We go through struggles and troubles. 
but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, what we're really yearning for is we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. So God is saying, man, there's eternity waiting on you. I know that what you're dealing with right now could be really difficult, really challenging. But God is saying that he's with us. He is here. He is present. He's not just waiting on us. He's here. He sent his Holy Spirit to dwell with us. It's what guides you. He's what gives you convictions. He is who gives you convictions. He's the one who's like, nah, don't do that. God really does love you, even when you're struggling and when you're fighting against him and when you're wrestling. He's the one speaking to you when nobody else is. He's the one who sees you, who wants to comfort you, who wants to give you power, who wants to give you ability, who wants to give you hope. And that's just a deposit of what he really has for you. And so if you're wanting more of what God has for you, If you're wanting 2021 to be a year where you offer yourself to God, if you're wanting 2021 to be a year where you experience the transformation that he's promised to you, where you're more like God than ever before, where you really do access the spiritual blessings that he has for you in the heavenly realms, I want you to lift up your hands. If you're online, lift up your hands. And I just want to pray for us and then we're going to take a moment to worship. God, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, that it's not about me, that it's it's not about man's wisdom. It's not about a fancy message, Lord, but this is just your truth. Lord, that you are real, that you're present, that you love us, that you really are the rock of ages, that you are he who was, who is, and is to come. You are eternal. You've made us in your image. You've put your stamp on us. You love us. You've placed your spirit within us and we're your temple, God. And we have this treasure in jars of clay, as your word says. But Lord, I pray right now just for a new revelation, Lord. Some of us need a stirring on the inside. Some of us need a fire lit on the inside, God. And some of us just don't know how to do it. And so, Lord, I pray that as we just open ourselves to you, Lord, you would light that flame. Lord, that we would hear your voice that we would fill you with us, that we would see your power in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would enlighten us and open our eyes to know the hope to which we're called, the riches of your glorious inheritance, God, and the power that's available to us. Have your way in our lives as we make ourselves available to you and as we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to you, knowing that you've already offered yourself as a sacrifice for us so that we could be in a relationship with you. Have your way in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.